Well, are you ready to hear the word? It's my honor and privilege to present to you Elder Greg Harrell. He and Marietta have been a blessing here for 21 years. And Greg helps oversee all the ministries of the church. And uh, we're just blessed to have him. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Allen. Morning, church. I declare today that you are the church, the ecclesia, the called forth in the name of Jesus. I love to say that when I get up here because it's, I think it's appropriate and it's powerful for each and every one of you. Um, I'm going to tell a story. Uh, when, whenever I preach, when I have the opportunity to preach, first of all, it's very humbling because Pastor Allen does such a good job, but typically what I do I have a tradition, and this works almost all the time. On Saturday night, I call Pastor Allen, and I say, Hey, Pastor Allen, who's preaching? (laughs) Pastor Allen has such a pure heart, he goes, It's just a pregnant pause on the other end of the line. It's like, uh, uh. (laughs) So, anyway, I didn't do that to him this weekend, but um, anyway, I I thought... I think it's funny. So, um, let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump off into the word that the Lord has given me to speak to all of you today. Well, Father, I just thank you that you um, lead and direct every word that I speak, Lord. Father, I literally submit my tongue to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these people that are in the hearing of this word, Lord, that you will literally prepare their hearts, Father God, that, that they will receive exactly the, the word that you have to speak to them today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that there is no judgment. I thank you, Lord, that there is no condemnation. I thank you, Lord God, that there is just the uh, heart to receive your goodness today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll get to that in a little bit later, but 1 Samuel chapter 17. And while you're turning there, I want to show you my my shirt. Check it out. What? Isn't that cool? So I want to tell you the story about this shirt. Let Let me go over here and check it out. Do you see what it says? Sealed with a testimony, and then what does it say below it? Oh, you can't? Can you see it? Satan had a plot, God has a plan. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so let me tell you the story about, and this is not going to be like I went to Disneyland and got one of the t-shirt stories, but it's kind of like that. So... A few years ago, Marietta and I had a, were blessed. We went on a, uh, one of those paddle wheeler cruises up the Mississippi. We left New Orleans, and we went to Memphis on this paddle wheeler on the Mississippi River for our 25th wedding anniversary. We've never even taken a cruise, but it was pretty cool for us to be able to do that, do something special for the 25th wedding anniversary. And, and the, the, the paddle wheeler, it steams up, and it goes to all these little towns Every day you stop in a little town in either, typically Mississippi. And some of these towns are little, little. 
And this, instead of going to Cancun or one of those you know, fancy places, you go to like Greenville, Mississippi. You know? <laughs> so you get off the boat, and they love to have the river boat there. You get off the boat, and you wander around town like you do. And so uh, about three or four days into the trip, um, we, were, we were making friends with this Australian couple. So uh, Marietta and I and this Australian lady uh, got off the boat, and we started wandering around here in Miss this little town in Mississippi. And we had, uh, I mean, there's really, <laughs> I have to tell you that these little towns in Mississippi, there is not much going on. <laughs> Just not. But we're walking down the street of this little town, and I look across the street, and, I, and it says, there's this kind of low building, and it says art gallery. I said, honey, there's an art gallery. I mean, this is going to be like a big deal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let's go over to the art gallery. She goes, yeah. So Marietta and I and the Australian lady, I can't remember her name right now, walk across the street to the art gallery, and we open the door. And as I open the door, I get ready to step through, and I'm like, and I look around, and the, what's supposed to be the art gallery is filled with all of these African-American ladies and their Sunday finest. And when I walk in the door, it's like, smells like heaven. I'm not kidding. This is how heaven's going to smell. <laughs> they are cooking in there. They're eating. And, and I walk in, and I go, is this the art gallery? And they're like, oh, no. We're having our church conference. Come on in. <laughs> I'm like, I turn around to Marietta, and she's like, let's go in. I'm like, yeah, let's go in. So we go in with the Australian lady, and it is like heaven on earth. It is so awesome. They're just hugging on us. You know, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about things of God. This is the title of their conference, Sealed with a Testimony. Isn't that cool? So I got the T-shirt, and we just fellowshiped with these folks and loved on them, hugged on them. It was glorious. It is exactly what heaven's going to be like. The smells of what they were cooking. Oh, y'all have lunch with us? No. Yeah. I don't know what I'm eating, but, you know, it's good. The reason that I tell you this testimony this testimony is because brothers and sisters, and this is a testimony, and I want to speak about testimonies for a little bit. Brothers and sisters, here's the thing. With what's going on in this nation today, okay, what's going on in this nation today, it's not going to be reparations that fixes it. Okay? It's not going to be some organization that fixes it. It's not going to even be an apology. You know who's going to fix race relations in, in, in this nation today? Jesus. Amen. Jesus will fix race relations if we let him. Amen. Amen. So, anyway, that's my testimony. And I just think back on that day and I think about how cool it really was to to be able to share that special moment with those folks. That's that's right. That's right. This is a, yeah, this is the only one as far as I know, but 
No, they, they were selling them there, but... Anyway, so I want to talk about testimonies. Revelation 12, 11, you can put that up there, Kaylee. You guys are very familiar with this scripture. Let's read it together, shall we? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So who is it that is the they? It's the saints. The saints overcame. And they overcame who? Satan. The father of lies, the dragon, the great deceiver, the devil himself. And if you want some homework for this week, um, I just tell you the, to look at Revelation 2 and 3 and take a look at all of the things that you will receive as an overcomer. There's seven overcomer statements in the Bible there, and you will receive a lot of things if, if you overcome. When I was young, I, we grew up, I grew up in the Baptist church, um, and I'll talk more about the Baptist church here in a little bit, because not anything bad about the Baptist church. Um, but we sang songs all the time about the blood of the Lamb. You know, there's power in the blood. The blood of Jesus makes me white as snow. All of those things. And that's appropriate because the blood, his victory, his victory, Jesus' victory, has become our victory. Right? His overcoming became our overcoming, and through his death and resurrection... We have eternal life. But I don't really remember us talking too much. But according to this, our testimonies serve to overcome Satan's deceptions. They serve to establish the work of the Lord in our lives so that if somebody comes against us, we can say, oh, no, uh-uh, no. I already know what God did for me. Amen. That testimony. Right? The devil will lie to you because he is the father of all lies. And, he, and that is his nature. But when we have a testimony and we establish ourselves in our testimonies, what we're do, able to do is we're able to say, no, I am not going to listen to that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the father of all lies. And I remember when God fill in the blank. I remember when God fill in the blank. Testimonies are so valuable to each and every one of us, brothers and sisters. I go to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, and you'll recall it. Let me set it up a little bit here. We don't have to turn to there, to there but you'll recall uh, what happens in, the, in this Gospel account is that there's a man who is born blind. He's blind from birth. And you remember the disciples are going, hey, Jesus, who sinned? Right? Who sinned, Jesus? Why is this guy dealing with this? And um, Jesus said, uh-uh. Father didn't sin. Mom didn't sin. This man didn't sin. This was manifested so that the work of the Lord could be shown. And so Jesus picks up and makes some mud, washes, you know, puts it on his eyes. And a little bit later on, the Pharisees are inquiring about this miracle. This guy gets his sight completely restored. 
the Pharisees are inquiring about this miracle, and, they're, and they bring the guy in. They talk to him for a little bit. Then they bring his parents in, and, say, and the parents go, hey, no, no, you got to talk to the son. You know, he's the one that got healed. And so <clears throat> here's what, when the man who was healed gets back in front of the Pharisees, this is exactly what he says. They again called the man who was blind and said to him, and I love this because this is one of the points of our testimonies. Here's what the Pharisees declare. This is the Pharisees that are declaring this. Give God the glory. Testimony. Give God the glory. And then they get it wrong, and they're talking about Jesus. They say, we know that this man is a sinner. No. And the man who was healed said, he answered and said, whether or not Jesus, he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. Testimony. Right in the face of the religious zealots of the day, hey, you can't argue with this. I was blind, now I see. Awesome. That's awesome. So God, even today, I'm going to tell you, uh, brothers and sisters, God is in the healing business. Amen. Um, as I was preparing for this message, let's see how much time I'm I'm doing good on time. As I was preparing for this message, um, I had a dream. Praise God. And what God told me in this dream is that he wanted me to stop right here in, the, in, in this part of the message. And because we just talked about how God heals and can heal, Jesus heals, um, and he gave me a very, uh, actually, a strong revelation that there are, there are people here, and I, obviously there are because, Stephanie, you're there. Um, but there are people here that, whose bones are out of joint. And I'm talking about not just physically out of joint, but there may be some people here that when I say those words, your bones are out of joint, that you feel like you are out of kilter spiritually as well. So if that is you, I want you to go ahead and stand up. Dirk. Stand up. Anybody else who feels like they're physically or spiritually, their bones are out of joint. This is not anything that has anything to do with condemnation. These people are going to receive healing in the name of Jesus today. How about it? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'm going to... Do not... Yeah, don't, don't get left out. This is your moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God will deal with it, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Saints, I want you to extend your hands towards some of these folks that are around you. If you're around them, go ahead and lay hands on these folks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, God, for ministering in this area. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for the boldness that are shown by these people that are willing to stand before the congregation and say, yeah, uh, I need my bones <laughs> spiritually or physically realigned. I thank you, Lord God, for your mighty Holy Spirit-breathed power. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you literally would sweep through these people's bodies, Father God, bringing into alignment those things that need to be aligned, whether it's skeletal, Lord God, or whether it's spiritual, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just thank you, Lord God, that your power is being made manifest. And I thank you, Lord God, more than anything else, that as these people are healed in the name of Jesus, that they will have tongues to glorify you. They have a testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that cool? It is cool. So, you know, we've seen people healed completely, I mean, miraculously healed as, as we've ministered. People healed from cancer. And we need to start remembering that, that, that God wants us to see those kind of miracles even today in the name of Jesus. More, Lord. So, 1 Samuel 17, you've turned there. You know the story. I'm going to tee it up a little bit here. David, the son of Jesse, is uh, commanded or asked by his dad to go make a pizza run to the Valley of Elah. He's going to take cheese and bread and some roasted grain down to his brothers. Now, his brothers, his three oldest brothers, are in the Valley of Elah where the, Isra the Israel army is lined up across the valley from the Philistines. And for 40 days and 40 nights, you know this story, Goliath the guy comes out and ch has challenged the, the army of Israel to, to battle. So we'll pick up in verse 22, and it says, And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, that is the cheese and the bread and the roasted grain, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the, the same words, so David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, that is Goliath, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Pretty good deal right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving it. Exemption from taxes. But hey, check this out now. You have to, we'll stop right here for a minute. So the king is offering all these kinds of goodies, 
It's a good deal, but they're worldly goodies, right? The king is offering worldly rewards to that person that will go up and fight Goliath. And so far, because the worldly is really not that valuable, there hadn't been any takers, right? So let's go on. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This is David speaking. And then the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, this is David's oldest brother, his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. <clears throat> the devil is using Eliab to sow doubt, and not only just sow doubt into David, but he is judging David as well. How many times have you been headed for what you know is a mighty testimony of God, and somebody steps right in the middle of that and says, come on, and starts sowing that doubt, and then judges you because you're counting on God for what he is going to do in your life. Come on. Has that happened to you? Yes, it has. Because it has. Satan, right here, Satan has a plot. He does. <clears throat> and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? I'm going to stop right there. That word cause is really not well translated in this, this passage. Here's what it really means. It's the Hebrew word devar. Devar. And what that means is that it just means word. Here's what David is saying. He says, what have I done? Is there not a word? And what he is asking the entire army of Israel is, dudes, in this one statement, dudes, you guys are the army of Israel. You have seen our Lord do great things. We need to remember all those things that God has done, and we need to walk in that testimony. That's exactly what he's saying. Yes, it is good. And then David said to Saul, I'm sorry, I'll back up. Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. In other words, here we go again. Saul is so in doubt into David, right? He is. David responds. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, 
And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me into the hand of this, from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. What we just read is David just, now he's gathering himself up. He's like this. He's like, I have already had a testimony. And he is stepping into the resolve of his testimony the way that we really need to understand it. He's like, oh, no, no. I don't care what we're seeing. I know what the God, what the God of Israel what my great God has done for me, and he's going to do it again. We just sang that. Yes. I believe he's going to do it again. And that's exactly what David is doing here. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Now check this out. Saul clothed David with worldly armor. David didn't need it. What armor is he going to put on? He is going to put on the armor of the Lord God Almighty. He couldn't even walk in it. Let me tell you something, church. There are times where people will try to make the worldly armor fit on you. And if you go out in that worldly armor, you're going to be, you could be defeated. Take it off. Put on the spiritual armor of the Lord. Remember the testimony of the victories in God Almighty in your life. Put those on. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm going to read this really fast. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had, which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came, began drawing nearer to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. 
And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. Amen. What a testimony. God is good. God is good. What, What David said was, it doesn't matter what I'm looking at. I am going to step into this. I am going to step into my testimony, and I am going to achieve victory today. There is no doubt in my mind. This is coming. The cool thing is about this, brothers and sisters, is that think about this. David started out with this testimony of lion and the bear. But he is stepping into a testimony of overcoming Goliath, the big dude. Testimonies breed testimonies. Testimonies breed testimonies testimonies so that when we walk in testimonies we begin to pick them up and we they begin to come our become ours and we can step into even a greater place with the Lord God second Corinthians 3:18 one of my favorite passages says for we all we don't have to go there for we all with unveiled faces Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same glory from glory to glory as by the Spirit of God. So what we're doing is we're actually stepping from glory to glory, from testimony to testimony, and through that we're being transformed into what God wants us to be, that image of Him. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. It is cool. So, I want to close out, and we're going to transition the service here a little bit, um, with another testimony. And I have to tell you, brothers and sisters, that I have never shared this particular testimony in this setting before. <clears throat> I've, I've shared it with people, but I've never shared it like this, you know. So I offer this testimony up in the spirit of uh, what um, John and Peter said to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. I cannot help but speak the things which I have seen and heard. I talked to you that I was raised as a, a fundamental, well, I, I was raised as a Baptist. I am not knocking Baptists. I love Baptists. The Baptist that I, church that I was raised in, however, was fun, what they call fundamentalist, and then they would hang another sign below it, and it would say, independent, and then the deacons would get more revelation, and they would say premillennial. So we would just add signs down below the, the church that I went to as, as the deacons got revelations, and we began to hone in onto, on, on the fact that this was going to be the way that we believed. So 
I'm a little dude, and I remember my dad was a deacon, and in the independent fundamentalist premillennial Baptist church, <laughs> there was no room for the Holy Spirit. Period. End of story. That was over with. So I was raised that way. <clears throat> well, in 1996, I believe it was, Marietta and I moved, I got a transfer with the railroad. We moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. We started going to a charismatic church, which was a big step for me. And I had to get that reconciled, and that's a whole other story because I don't want to tell it right now, but it's funny. <laughs> um, so we went, we started going to this charismatic church in Salt Lake City, and you really needed to operate in the gifts of the Spirit in Salt Lake City, Utah, because I have to tell you, brothers and sisters, Salt Lake is a dark place. You need the power of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit. So Marietta was involved in this thing called Women's Glow, and there was this lady here who was, that, was, that came to speak at this Women's Glow meeting that I got a chance to attend. Her name was Edie, and she was full of the Holy Spirit. Edie was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. This old lady, man, man alive. She really reminded me of some of the Old Testament prophets that we read about. I mean, she would just walk around, you know, people would fall down, miracles would happen around her, you know, she would hear from God, she'd say, I got to go over here and sit in this restaurant for a while because somebody's coming to, that I have to pray with. She would just know it. It's amazing. So we went to this Women's Glow meeting, and afterwards, Edie laid her hand on Marietta and some others and, and prayed for Marietta to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and Marietta was. And Marietta started having a prayer language right then. Well, Edie laid her hands on me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Uh, initially, I did not. So initially, yeah, I was, I was down. But um, what happened was that she wanted to talk about this prayer language, these things called tongues. And the Lord gave me one syllable. That's funny. <laughs> so for years, now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I'm hearing from God about all kinds of things. God is telling me what to do and when to do it, and he's enlightening the scriptures for me, and it's awesome, and I'm experiencing things that I never thought I would experience, but I have this one syllable. I'm like, I know, I'm not even going to tell you what the syllable is because it sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm, but I am very, very diligent. And, and, I, and I have my syllable. And I'm diligent with my syllable. 
and I use my syllable. I really do. Now, I don't use my syllable around other people because it, <laughs> that really wouldn't make sense. But I am very diligent with it. As a matter of fact, I, if I'm in the car, a lot of times, if I don't know how I'm supposed to pray, I'm using my syllable. So, <laughs> years pass by. Years pass by, I have this syllable. And I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> and then, so we moved from Salt Lake City to Tucson. And I use my syllable in Tucson. And we moved from Tucson to Denver, and I'm using my syllable in Denver. And then we moved from Denver to Granbury, Texas, USA. And I'm still using my syllable, and I'm still filled with the Holy Spirit, but this has been about five or six years after I was initially filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, I go to bed one night. Marietta and I go to bed. I'll never forget this. I have to tell you that this is the testimony. Go to sleep, and in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, I wake up, and there is a language that is coming out of my mouth. And I'm laying there. I am laying there, and I am watching, literally, I am, uh, I am flowing with this language, and I'm watching. It looks like, as, they come out of, uh, as these words come out of my mouth, it looks like they're musical notes that are literally floating up into heaven. And I'm watching it, and I'm going, thank you, Lord Jesus. This is awesome. It's awesome. Well, I'm going on. Marietta wakes up, and she goes, honey, honey, are you okay? I said, <laughs> I said yeah, babe, I am. Go back to sleep. It's cool. It's cool. I fall asleep true story. I wake up a little bit later and there is another language that is coming out of my mouth. Different. Another language that's coming out of my mouth but the experience is still the same. It's like these, these musical, these glittering musical notes are going up into heaven and I'm like oh, that's awesome. Thank you Lord Jesus. And Marietta wakes up again. She says, honey, are you okay? Yeah, babe. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Go back to sleep. I'm telling you this story because what I want you to know is that God is so good and he is so gracious that what he did for me was exactly what he had to do for me to be able to overcome the way that I was raised. There is no way, brothers and sisters, that this could have happened any other way for me except for him to do it in this gracious manner where there could be no consciousness on my part that I was trying to force anything, that I was trying to make anything happen. This was just the Holy Spirit saying, Greg, now. It's all right. It's all right. I'm raised as a 
fundamentalist, independent, premillennial Baptist. <laughs> and I have two languages that I don't even know where they came from. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody needed to hear that testimony. Now, I want to talk about just a couple of things real quick because I need to give you, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I, I want to qualify what I'm getting ready to say. So tongues, you know, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, what I know is that as I look in the book of Acts, that obviously as people were filled with the Holy Spirit, there were some times that they spoke in tongues, sometimes. Sometimes they were filled with boldness, sometimes they were filled with joy. But on every occasion, what happened when this occurred was the kingdom of God was advanced. That's what happened, okay? So yeah, tongues is obviously scriptural according to the book of Acts. Um, so I asked God, well, God, you know, tell me more about this. Um, and if you look in Romans 8 and in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes and he talks about the fact that there are times where he prays in tongues because he doesn't know how to pray, you know. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he actually qualifies it. He says, hey, a lot of times I, I pray in the natural. Sometimes I pray in tongues because I don't know how to pray otherwise, right? So I believe that God gives us this gift, this power, so that, so that there, when we come across these times where we don't know how to pray, and how many of you guys have ever gotten into a situation where you literally don't know how to pray? I have. I don't know what to do. I really don't know how to pray. I don't know what God would do in a situation or a circumstance. I sit there before some person that is, is really struggling, and, I, and there's no way for me to discern what God, I know that God would not have lead them there in this situation. So sometimes I do pray in tongues just as it's appropriate according to the scriptures. But there's one other thing that God revealed to me in regards to this. And I believe that this is the case. James, the brother of Jesus, dedicated a big part of his epistle to talking about what an evil our human tongues can be. As a matter of fact, he says the tongue is an unruly member full of evil and filled with poison, and it can set great fires. So the, he's really dealing with the tongue in this epistle. And I think that what God has showed me with this is that the ability to speak in a language that God gives you is also an indication that I am completely surrendered to God. Completely surrendered. As a matter of fact, the most unruly member of my body, and you know, we all, we sing songs about totally surrendered, totally surrendered, but this thing is the most unruly member. 
Let's surrender our tongues and let the Lord use it. Amen? So I want to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Um, you know that I was raised as a fundamentalist, independent, pre-millennial Baptist. Um, I remember my dad, the deacon, and my uncle, the overseer of the Assemblies of God Church, having great arguments to the... <laughs> <laughs> in the living room to the point that Uncle Ernest would get in his car and take off <laughs> about the whole thing, you know, the whole thing about the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you what, and I can support this scripturally, but let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is. We know what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. That's clear. But the Spirit is the conqueror of fear. It's our unity, our communion, one with the other. The Spirit is the discerner of truth and our sanctification according to the Word. The Spirit is light and the Spirit is truth. The Spirit is understanding and the Spirit of the Lord is wisdom. The Spirit is, the, is our source of power and the Spirit is light. The Spirit is our teacher and the Spirit is our seal for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is our adoption, and the Holy Spirit is our justification. And the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, is our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is our promise. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 24, and also in Acts 1, you can check it out, God the Father will send the promise referring to the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit, our promise. It's our inheritance. In Acts 2, Peter preaches this mighty sermon and he says, and the promise, that is the Holy Spirit, is for you and your children and all, what? All, what? All who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. It's a promise. Today, brothers and sisters, we need more than ever to be walking in the promise and the full power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, why, Greg? You know, well, read the news, right? I mean, we need to be able, well, you, you can read the news, not that it really matters, because you, unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to really know what, you know what the truth is. But the Holy Spirit, as you read the news, will allow you to discern the truth. That's, the truth. That's exactly right. The Holy Spirit will teach you the things that you need to, to know when the time comes for witnessing. The Holy Spirit will be the one that allows you to open up the door at the art gallery in some little town in Mississippi and step in and step into reconciliation and fellowship with those that also love Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit today, brothers and sisters. So here's what I want to do. I want to close out and 
Joseph, you can get ready to play that ministry music. I hope that uh, I hope, brothers and sisters, that you understand where I'm coming from. None of what I said today is designed to make you feel at all uncomfortable, but everything that I am saying to you today is, is I believe, the truth. The truth according to God. And the truth according to what God wants for you. He wants for you, hello, to have the full power. He wants you to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to understand what truth is when every organization, uh, it seems like on the face of the planet except God's church, will lie to you about things. He wants to show you that you have been given power that will allow him to use you, each and every one of you, to build his kingdom and to be participants in the harvest that is coming at this time. 